Well, hello and welcome back to Flash Knockdown Series 3, Episode Number 5. It's fight week in Orlando. It's the return of Conor Ben as well. I'm Matrim's Jamie Ward and ahead of a massive weekend of boxing, here's what we have coming up for you all on today's show. Jesse Bam Rodriguez joins us from stateside to preview his upcoming fight with Showtime's Sonny Edwards promoter. Calla Sowland talks Misfits Mayhem, Chris Eubank Jr. and picks his dream dinner party guest list. Mike Costello recalls an interview with President... Bill Clinton, how about that? Zelfa Barrett takes on our weekly quiz and world champion Terry Harper goes over the best things to happen in boxing last week. What a show. Sit back, enjoy, and don't go anywhere. Well, the build-up is well and truly underway for Bam Rodriguez and Sonny Edwards on December 16th in Arizona, USA. We did manage to grab five minutes with Bam Rodriguez after the official launch press conference. Here's what Bam to say. I was actually surprised, you know, he came in pretty chill in the press conference. I, I was expecting him, you know, run his mouth, what, do what he does to try to get into his opponent's head. But, you know, he came in real calm, respectful. So it was cool. It was chill. This is the perfect time for a fight like this. I'm young, I'm hungry. So this is um, a big fight. These are the fights that every fighter dreams about. Uh, champion versus champion, so I'm ready. I mean, I might be young, but that don't, that don't mean anything. Age is just a number. I want to fight the best. It's nothing about him. It's just me, my mindset. Um, there's no need for a tune-up fight. I know what I bring to the table. I know what I'm going to bring to the fight, so it's just another fight. You know, he likes to run his mouth and be loud, but like you said, I'm chills. I feel like the closer it does, it does get, the more he's going to talk, the more he's going to try to get in my head, but the longer, well, the closer it gets to the fight, the more I'm going to be locked in. So even if you were to talk right now at the press conference, I would have just ignored it one year out the other. It's not going to make no difference once it gets closer. He hasn't faced a fighter like me. Um, I said at the press conference, he hasn't faced a fighter with footwork like mine or a determination like mine. Of course, he's faced, uh, you know, come forward fighters, but I feel like they're all flat-footed and they didn't really, I, I feel like they gave him too much respect. They probably played to his mind games or whatever, but that's, that's not going to be the, the case here. I'm going to go in, you know, motivated and have a perfect game plan to beat Sonny. Like the better the opponent, the better I fight. So come December 16th, it's going to be a different Bam Rodriguez. Bam Rodriguez better than ever. Tickets are on sale, so go ahead and get those, you know, get your money's worth. Shout out to the people that already bought it. Shout out to my friends, my family that got tickets. It's going to be a great night. Did he wind you up at all? Nah, nah. That's impossible. Scott, without meaning any disrespect to Sonny, he is one of the best talkers I've ever seen, but he was very respectful yesterday at the press conference, and I think I was a little bit surprised. I think I expected him to be on the front foot, playing the bad guy, playing the villain a little bit, did you? Possibly, yeah, but I still think it is a form of mind games. I think the compliments that Sonny paid to Bam will maybe just get him thinking a little bit more. And maybe question why he didn't come at him, like you said. Well, in terms of those compliments, I think it was a bit of a backhanded compliment him saying, look, you know, a 30-year-old Bam is going to be a better fighter than a 23-year-old Bam. Is that him going down the inexperience route? Is that is that what you read between the lines of that one? Yeah, I think so. It's hard to know how to analyse some of the stuff he says, isn't it? Because I do think there is like hidden meanings and there is like a premeditated sort of effort somewhat. So... I'm always interested to hear what Sonny has to say. And I think as this bubbles up and continues into next week, they're both coming over to London. I think we'll, we could see a different side, couldn't we? Well, he's quite a fascinating character, isn't he? Really, really enjoyed the first fight we had with him. Uh, but I just think, you say premeditated there. I'm not sure if he does rehearse things. I think he just has a bit of a gift to, to come out with some unbelievable lines off the cuff. Oh, yeah, possibly. I do think he probably, I mean, it was a long flight over. I can imagine him just sitting there in first class and business class, chipping away a couple of like, routes in. But, <laughs> Tactic I, I board. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, it seemed, it seemed to be very respectful. And I think when you've got two world champions and you're getting a fight like this, sometimes it does go beyond the, the need for trash talk. I think we, we draw parallels with a fight with Josh Warrington and Lee Wood. You know, those guys have been as amicable as I've ever seen 
in a build-up, it doesn't necessarily make you not as interested in the fight. I think this fight with, with Bam and Sonny does sell itself. I, th- I think when you look at the styles matching up, though, you know, boxer, puncher, it's probably just about as perfect as it could be, would you think? It should gel really nicely. I do think it would be quite a ferocious pace. You know, likelihood of it going the distance, I would say, is quite high. But that being said, you know, Bam shown in recent fights, he has got the spite and can sort of go through the gears when required. So it should be interesting. No, I can't wait. I can't wait. I think that that's probably the fight out of the schedule. With all due respect to the other fights, I'm probably most intrigued about. And I keep saying this every week on the podcast, this team sheet, the team sheet for the abroad shows still is not out. So I still don't know if I'm on the bus to, uh, to Arizona. That'd be a long old journey, mate. You better leave now. <laughs> The 301 from Brentwood all the way to Glendale, Arizona. Uh, yeah, I have no idea how long that would take, but uh, a massive fight. Great to hear from Bam. Uh, we'll be hearing a lot more from Sonny Edwards. I believe he spent the day at Disney World with Chris Mannix, and that, that piece of content will be dropping very soon as well. Lots of great build-up coming for what is a truly, truly great fight. Jesse Bam Rodriguez, Sonny Showtime Edwards unification flyweight fight, December 16th, live on the zone. Buckle up for this one. December 2011, New York, and an interview with the former American president, Bill Clinton. And as I was saying last week, this all came about while I was already in the United States covering world title fights featuring Amir Khan and Carl Froch. And we were making a special program to mark the 70th birthday of Muhammad Ali, which at the time was just a few weeks away in January of 2012. And Clinton had strong ties to Ali. He was president when Ali lit the flame at the Olympic Games in Atlanta in 1996. And then in 2001, Clinton awarded Ali the Presidential Citizens Award, which is one of the highest civilian honours in American society. So to secure this interview was a real coup for us, given that Clinton had left office only 10 years earlier and was heavily in demand all around the world. And not surprisingly, though, it was a take it or leave it offer. There were no negotiations regarding the time or the place. We just had to take what we were given. And it would happen at 4 p.m. on the Tuesday after the Carl Froch fight, which was in Atlantic City. We were back downtown in Manhattan at the headquarters of the Clinton Foundation. And the interview was to happen up on the 18th floor of the building. And beforehand, we went through what can only be described as airport-style security on the way to a kind of waiting room alongside two American TV crews. And we were told by Clinton's communications advisor that we had 15 minutes with him. And she stressed time and again it was exactly 15 minutes, not roughly. And we were to be third and last in the order of interviews. And before us, Clinton gave his 15-minute take on an Arkansas basketball coach and a female governor of Texas. Separate interviews for those other American crews. And then it was my turn. And as I walked into the interview room, Clinton's team had sorted the lighting, the sound, the camera angles, everything again done on their terms. And just as I was taking my seat, one of his aides passed him a sheet of A4 size paper, which clearly had some notes about Muhammad Ali on it for Clinton to absorb. And he looked at this sheet of paper almost nonchalantly for a few seconds and then handed it back over his shoulder and said, right, let's go. And it struck me there and then how these leaders have a staggering ability to absorb information so quickly and then talk as if it's the only subject they've ever studied. And Clinton actually hit me with the first question. He asked me whether Ali was still living in a place called Berrien Springs in Michigan. And I told him that Ali had actually left there in 2007 and moved to Scottsdale, Arizona for what was a more suitable climate given his health issues and Clinton said that he'd suggested such a change to Ali the last time that they'd met and so we were off to a cordial start and we'd been advised by his team once again that Clinton's first answer was likely to be as long as three minutes and that was a trait of his they told us in these interviews and that proved to be a priceless tip because that dictated how I shaped the rest of the interview given the time constraints. And Clinton was particularly strong, as you'd expect, with his insights into Ali's influence outside 
the ring. In 1967, when Ali was forced into boxing exile after refusing to serve in the Vietnam War, Clinton was a student at the time at Georgetown University in Washington, D.C., and later when he went on a Rhodes Scholarship at Oxford University here in the UK, he took part in anti-war demonstrations. So there was a kind of a connection there between them. And when Ali lit the flame at the Olympics that I was talking about earlier, Clinton recalled how everyone in the Olympic Stadium was willing Ali to overcome the tremors that were brought on by his Parkinson's syndrome. So it was a wide-ranging interview and as I said we were the last of the three crews to talk to Clinton and he seemed at ease afterwards and started to chat to us about various events in the UK at the time and I mentioned that my son was born in 1993 the year that Clinton was inaugurated as president for his first term and I said that Connor my son was heading to university and Clinton wanted to know which one given that he'd spent those years at Oxford back in the late 1960s and so it went on and I was with a BBC producer called Ben North and all the time we're wondering when we're going to be ushered out of this interview room and earlier on in the day before the interviews got underway we'd been waiting alongside those other crews from the United States and one of them from a Hispanic network and I got chatting to one of the producers from there about all sorts of subjects including bringing up children and I told her about Connor and she insisted on handing me a spare copy of a book that she'd bought written by Clinton that I should get him to sign it. It was a copy of a book called Back to Work and we'd been warned by Clinton's team not to ask for autographs, not to ask for photographs but Clinton at this stage seemed to be in such a relaxed mode that he actually asked us if we needed a photograph for publicity purposes. And so we posed for the photograph with him and then I thought, well, I might as well go for it. And I asked him to sign this copy of the book for Connor and without hesitation, he takes a pen from his top pocket and then scribbles just inside the front cover, to Connor, 1993 was such a great year, Bill Clinton. And so with that gem, we were done. We were off into the Manhattan evening with a cracking interview and a tale to tell forever. The kind of experience that doesn't come in bunches. Well, Scott, you're joining me remotely today. A bit disappointed you're not in the office today, mate. What's going on? Well, I've been in the office three days this week, mate. I was out yesterday on a secret location shoot. Didn't get back until late, so... Yeah, working from home today. That's a funny name for the pub. Is that what you've always called it? Secret location. Eight, seven and a half weeks off the booze now, so uh, certainly wasn't in the pub. One thing I'm going to ask you, seven weeks and a half, uh, seven weeks off the booze, congratulations, that's a, a great achievement, but will you be able to contain yourself if Tottenham beat Arsenal at the Emirates this weekend? It's not going to happen, mate, so it's nothing to worry about whatsoever. Mm. It will be an easy, easy home win, and I'll probably be home before the end of the game. <laughs> Well, I'm going to tell the listeners, you left. For those who like football, you left. Sheffield United game, you're 1-0 down and you left before you won 2-1. You're a disgrace. Yeah, but that was me like make, speaking it into existence. If I stayed, it wouldn't have happened. So right. me leaving sort of helped the team in a way. That's one way of looking at it. We are both on the ground in the UK, however, despite us being remote, big fight week in Orlando. Just got a little bit bigger, didn't it, in the last couple of days when we added Conor Ben to the undercard of what is already a, a very good show. Conor Ben, been in the news as always, but good to see him back, I think. Definitely, mate. Yeah, he's um, he's looking pumped, isn't he? I like the way he's he's gone about his business this week, you know, very confident i would say you know it's been a turbulent year or so for him but for him to have this fight locked in i think just allows him to to somewhat progress with with his career i guess yeah 100 percent. i think he'll do him the world of good as well just to get back in the swing of things of, of making a weight and having a fight week because it's one thing saying i mean he said it on the podcast didn't he the other week but it's one thing saying that you're ready but it's another thing actually going through those experiences don't you think yeah the routine of just just fighting don't know much about the opponent, I'll be honest. I don't know if, if you can tell me anything, I'm not sure. But um, yeah, looking forward to staying up. I'll be working remotely, so we'll be uh, locked in for presumably the, the same ring walk song as he's had in, in the last couple. Ready or not. I don't think Orozco's been stopped in over 35 fights, if that's right. So I think he's 35 and 3, maybe, something like that. A couple of draws on the card. So on paper, a decent record. Uh, I just think Conor Ben's going to come flying 
out the traps. Is that how you see him approaching this fight? It's not the type of fight I see him, bearing in mind everything that's happened, seeing him coming out behind the jab and taking it easy. No, he's not going to be working on things that have been going on in the gym, is he? He's going to have a hell of a lot of vent-up frustration here that he wants to get out. Big big news, to be honest, all over the, the sport at the moment. Big weekend of sport as well with regards to not just the North London derby, but also Joe Joyce running it back with Zhili Zhang. I think the weigh-in might have just concluded by the time we're recording this. I'm interested. I think the biggest talking point is what weight will Joe Joyce come in? What do you think he has to do differently, Scott, to beat Zhili Zhang in this rematch? In what is a must-win fight for, for Joe Joyce? Move his head a bit more. I think he was just getting pinged left, right, and center last time, wasn't he? And it sort of busted his face up a bit. So, yeah, it's, it's weird to say it's must win. It kind of does feel like that. Um, at the same time, where does the win then slot him back in? I'm not sure what the situation is with regards to mandatories and belts and interim titles and all that jazz at the minute on the WBO front. So, not 100% sure where that sort of lines up, but. I guess on the flip side, a win for Zhang sort of frees him up from Joyce, makes it 2-0 against Joyce, and then would presumably put him one step closer. I, I kind of fancy Joyce, to be honest. But yeah, yeah. Interesting one. I, I, think he, I think if he comes in heavier, I think he's got a much better chance of winning the fight. I think his punch resistance wasn't quite the same coming in. I think he was eight, 18 stone two. And I think for his fight with Parker, he was he was over 19 stone. So that's a, that's a big factor. I think if he comes in closer to that 19 stone mark, I think he's got a really good chance of beating Jilly Zhang. And, you know, you've got to back the Brit, I suppose, in this instance. What a soft spot for Zhang and uh, Kurt. He works for him. Uh, but, yeah, I, I appreciate your, your loyalty there to, to the Brit. I was actually down, um, on, a, on a side note, slightly down in the weights to, to Josh Warrington's gym the other day. And he is in, um, talking about Conor Ben being in a, in a position of, you know, pent-up anger and frustration. Josh Warrington hasn't necessarily got that. But he's really got the bit between his teeth. I just got the feeling that, you know, I get on really well with Josh, but I just got the feeling that any extra media that was potentially distracting him from his training camp, he didn't really seem overjoyed about doing. He's just, I keep saying it, obsessed. Obsessed in winning this fight, it seems. Not long to go now, is there? This one seems to have come around really quickly. It doesn't seem that long ago. We was doing like the 13, 14 weeks to go. And we're what? The time we're recording, literally just over two weeks out. So I can see maybe, you know, the, the flicker switched. We mentioned it on the last week's pod as well, right? I think where, you know, he might feel like he's the B side, if you like. I guess he is on paper. And maybe that's just give him a, an extra little bit between his teeth, like you say. So maybe he needs that to sort of G himself up a, a little bit. You're talking about must-win fights for, for Joe Joyce. I guess for Josh Warrington as well, you know, a, a defeat here and maybe puts him back a a step or two in the in the world title chain. So, big night for him. Definitely. We've got some great build-up content coming. We've got the, we obviously did the sit-down face-off round table with, with Ade Oladipo and the two guys. That's dropping very soon. And also, our Make the Days Count build-up documentary will be coming very soon. It seems there's an appetite for that. I was actually having a few conversations with Everything Boxing on Twitter. No, I'm not his mole, Scott, before you suggest it. But it seems like there's a big appetite for, for that, for the build-up for this fight, because it is a massive fight. So, can't wait for that one to creep a bit closer. On a side note, again, I do just want to express the condolences from everyone at Matrim. There was some some tragic news at the show in Tijuana during the Sky Nicholson-Sabrina Perez fight where her trainer and husband, Diego Arua, sadly passed away. Very unprecedented circumstances, very shocking and sad circumstances. And I think, Scott, I'll speak on behalf of everyone, not just at Matrim in boxing, that you know it was, it was awful scenes to watch. We had a lot of staff on the ground there as well who, who were on hand to, to do their best to help, but we extend all our all our condolences to, to family Perez at this time. Yeah, definitely, mate. Uh, very sad to see. Um, and like you say, you know, unfortunate for, for our staff members to have to, to see and experience that as well. 100%. I think as sometimes we do get a little bit deeper on this podcast, sometimes a little reminder that, you know, life is fragile. Hug your, hug your loved ones a little bit tighter. RIP Diego Arrua. Well, one fighter who is very deep in training camp right now is Terry Harper, preparing for a monster fight against former Undisputed World Champion Cecilia Breakhouse, October 7th in Sheffield. And from within that training camp, Terry Harper is on the line with us now. Terry, thanks for talking to us. How are you today? No problem. I'm good, thank you. Just been, um, just spent the morning sorting tickets and ticket money and all that stuff. 
fun 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 bits before uh, fight week comes. Well, in terms of the tickets, I believe I'm right. Uh, looking at the sales report that I get sent through every week, I think you've done about 800. Is that correct? Yeah, I believe so. Um, there's a lot of cash at home, that's for sure. <laughs> if anyone wants to rob me, don't try it. <laughs> Definitely don't do that. Uh, what, what do you do, Terry, yourself? Are you still driving around, dropping tickets off? Has it got a bit too big for that? How, how do you manage it all? So it's either we're either posting them out or um, people can come come collect from the gym. I just haven't got time to, to be posting these days. And just over two weeks to go now, Terry, I guess from, from your perspective, from a fighter's perspective, what stage of camp is this? Just explain to the listeners what you're putting yourself through now. Like this week and next week will really be the last like big push. Um, so I've, I've had some big sessions, especially yesterday's session last night. Um, still feeling that this morning, but um, I've, like next week I'll have my last couple of spars and then um, come fight week we start tapering down for obviously for the fight. I guess even when you're going through the, the hardest of days, Terry, in training camp, pushing your body to the limit as you do, how does the stress compare to the days that you worked in that chippy in Doncaster? I bet you don't miss those days, do you? Oh, no. Um, like That's the thing i got to remind myself I'm, how, how uh, lucky I am to be in this position. And um, even though I dread certain sessions and stuff like that, I still got to remember I'm doing something that I love and I know that many people would love to be in my position and I am very, very lucky and I am very grateful to, to be doing what I'm doing. We saw a lovely piece, which is going to be dropping, I believe. Uh, Scott might be able to give us a better answer on this. Uh, on the Matchroom Social soon, with yourself and, and Steffi Ball, trainer and manager, back down at the Doncaster Dome, reminiscing on on the good old days, your professional debut. I guess what you just said there, when you when you truly think about what you've been able to achieve in such a short space of time, even though there's, there's no ceiling to your career, can you sit here very proud of yourself today, Terry? Yeah, I think it was a great piece um, with Matchroom, and especially to do that and, and truly reflect on how far um, I've come as an athlete and, and as a professional boxer. And I feel like sometimes it's easy to get caught up in the moment and, and just not to be uh, truly grateful for the position that I'm in. And I feel like it were a nice reflection and and a little bit of a extra bit of motivation to keep on pushing. And, um, and also it allows me to be proud of myself as well. I think that's that's the main thing from it. And and just to give myself a pat on the back as well. That's what I, I got from that little bit of, yeah, we should be yeah. yourself a uh, two-weight world champion doesn't come uh, around for everyone. And, and everyone keep your eyes peeled for that that piece dropping with Terry and Steffi very, very soon. Terry, this fight with Cecilia Breakhouse, after it fell through on fight day in Dublin, you were devastated for friends and family as much as they, and we all were devastated for you, really. Why did you find it so important? And why did you want to reschedule the, this fight with Cecilia? I think just where how well... Um... It went down in the first place when when the fight got announced, and um, obviously Cecilia's been around the game for a very long time, and um, one of the greatest first female to be undisputed, and she's just a great name uh, to have on the record, and um, someone someone I thought it'd be an honour to share the ring with, and like I said, she's got all the experience in the world, and she's been a great champion in her time, and she's been she shared the ring with other great champions, and. I just feel like I've learned a lot from this fight and it's a fight that will take me to uh, the next step in my career, really. And in terms of those tickets that you sold, I know there was, there was a lot of your fans and family who were already in Dublin, weren't they, who, who you had to deliver the news to that the fight was off. What does it mean to you to, to be able to give this night back to them as well in Sheffield? Yeah, it's everything. So uh, obviously I was gutted uh, when the fight got called off, um, just thinking about everyone who uh, got themselves out to Dublin, but... Obviously, they made the weekend of it. They all had a great time still. And um, it's, it's great to be finally back at Sheffield and in front of the home crowd, a lot closer to home for everyone. And um, it's just shown with the amount of tickets I've sold. I've got a great, great following and uh, some great support for the night. And another belt on the line now, the thought to become unified world champion. In, in your mind, Terry, not just that, as a motivating factor, but truly visualising victory. How do you believe you, you'll beat Cecilia Breakhouse in this fight? Yeah, just sticking to the game plan that we've been working on in the gym. Um, I feel like I've I've studied her a lot more the second time round and we've really worked worked on a game plan. And um, I think it is, it's great that we've had this extra time to to get more focused in the gym and 
and know exactly what's expected of me on the night. And again, it's just not letting the occasion get to me and, and what's on the line get to me. And it's just staying focused on, on the one job that I've got to do. Um, but I'm excited and uh, it's another great opportunity for myself and massive thanks to Matt Truman at uh, own for for allowing, like, giving me these opportunities and going on to be to get even better and um, really put my name down in this division and uh, yeah, just be a two-way, two-time world champ and in unifying this division also. Well, that is a massive, massive fight to look forward to. And on the zone, October seventh. Terry Harper, Cecilia Breakhouse, WBA, WBO, World Super Welterweight Championships on the line, of course, on the same night as Josh Warrington versus Lee Wood, Featherweight World Title Clash. We are going to now go to some questions from the fans. We've been looking at the best things to happen in boxing last week. And producer Scott, who is also on the line, Terry, is going to throw out some shouts from the fans and we can then discuss them. So here he is. Thanks, Jamie. Yeah, a bit of a quiet week last week, actually. So weeding through some of the shouts from the fans, which we'll discuss now. The first one is from James Finley, who says, Andy, Ru- Andy Ruiz calling out Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder on Instagram. Let's keep the heavyweight division moving. Well, I think either of those fights would be great fights. Andy Ruiz seems to be doing a lot of talking and not a lot of fighting uh, just at the minute. How how important is Anthony Joshua, first of all, Terry, in your opinion? When you, when you think about the success of British boxing, I think actually when we were recording this, it was on this day that he beat... Alexander Povetkin at Wembley Stadium, you know, nights like that and, and the trickle-down effect it's had on fighters like yourself. How, how important do you think AJ's influence has been over the last few years? Oh, it's massive. Um, it allows these these great shows to be put on and um, these huge shows, really, and, uh, giving us on the undercard the opportunity to, to be on such a great platform and opportunity for us to showcase our skills. And I just think it's, it's done great things for uh, British boxing and really put uh, the heavyweight division on the map, really, and it's it's hot up in, in that division and there's great fights to be made. Kim says, should Asia Green finally getting her world title shot? No more bullshit. Well, she's put in a few good performances, to be fair, especially on our shows recently. I know she's working with, with Most Value Promotions and, and Jake Paul as well. Pound for pound, Terry, she one of the biggest women's punchers in the game in a minute. What have you seen of should Asia Green? Yeah, I saw that uh, one. I think it was our last uh, fight with the the brutal knockout, and um, I think the the Savannah Marshall fight that if if that can be made, uh, be a great fight down the line to happen. Hundred percent, hundred percent agree. One for next year, I think that one Savannah Marshall out until April, I believe, with injury next year. So that's one to look forward to. Final shout uh, from you, Scott, this week. Yeah, a bit left field this one. So there was a Japanese world title fight um, that Top Rank were involved with. Um, one or two people are saying more of this. We need more midweek boxing. Well, I think it's a shame. You know, I mean, obviously this weekend's a little bit different. We have our show in Orlando. Frank Warren has his show with, with Joe Joyce, of course, in London. So no real clash there. But it does happen quite a lot when fans are, are divided and they can only go to one show or watch one show on, on TV. Terry, would you be open for midweek boxing? Have you ever boxed actually on a Thursday or a Friday before opposed to the normal Saturday? Yeah, I have. I have actually boxed. Well, it's not really midweek, but it's it's on a Friday, and it's. I can remember that happening. It was a bit strange, weighing in like everything just happening a day earlier. But um, I think it's great to be able to um, to stop stop big shows clashing and allow fans to be able to go to more than one show and feel like they can't be in two places at once. Completely agree. I think that's definitely one for for Eddie Hearn, Ben Shalom, and Frank Warren to sit down. And figure out Terry. Final word from you before we see you in fight week. Just want to get a couple of predictions from yourself. Big fight in Orlando uh, this weekend. Sandy Ryan, Jessica McCaskill. One weight below yourself, but I'm sure a weight that you'd be having your eyes on as well. Moving back down towards one four seven. How do you see this fight going? Yeah, great fight. Um, I'm I'm really excited for this one. I, I feel like um, if Sandy sticks to her to her game plan and, and boxes are smart and I think Sandy's a great fighter, technically, um, class, and um, Sandy just needs to box and not get dragged into uh, a brawl when McCaskill, because McCaskill's got heavy hands, and again, she's relentless and she'll just keep coming all night. So I think, I do believe Sandy will win points, um, sticking to the game plan. Do you believe, Terry, that is a fight one day we'll see? And is it a fight you want yourself and Sandy Ryan? Oh yeah, definitely. Um that's like after after 
the fight against Cecilia, I'm going to see what options are up at 154. And then if there's no real big fights, I want to be uh, dropping back down and mixing in with the champions um, in the weight categories below. Well, so many options on the table for Terry Harper. So many big nights to look forward to with her as well. But Belter back in action October 7th live on zone as she takes on Cecilia Breakhouse for the Unified World Titles. Do not miss that one, Terry. Best of luck in the rest of camp. Stay healthy, stay fresh, and we'll see you fight week. Thanks for your time. Thank you. Well, very happy this morning to say joining us live on the show is promoter Calla Sowell. And Calla, great to have you on. How is life treating you this week? I imagine amidst the always carnage of misfits up in Newcastle, you're probably pretty busy, aren't you, this morning, sir? Yeah, I mean, you know, um, it's funny. When events come, it's not so much about the event because you've got the event team. So you're, you're, you're working on other events. You know, we've got a, a busy schedule coming up. Um and still five, six shows to go this year after this weekend. So working on those already, working on a couple for January and February. So time flies, flies very fast, you know. Certainly never stops. Well, we're counting down to another big Misfits card on the zone this weekend. Caller, it seems from the outside looking in, this one between Idris Virgo and Aaron Chalmers seemed slightly less chaotic in the build-up. Is that a fair assessment? <laughs> That's levels, isn't it? Um you know, if I compare it to having, there was no no pizza thrown. There was no dead fish thrown. There was no tables obliterated by John Fury yesterday. There was no cake thrown. So I guess I'll look at that as a, as a slightly quieter week trying to manage the circus, you know. Um, but yeah, no, I think, listen, I think it's a, it's a great card. You know, obviously a lot of eyes already on Manchester, October 14th for the, with a big, uh, big card there on the zone uh, with you know KSI, Tommy Fury, Logan Paul, Dylan Dennis, and a lot of more, a lot more fights to come on that as well. I must ask you, Kelly. You mentioned John Fury there. When you're on the top table and people are booting <laughs> over tables and there's cakes being thrown, as a boxing man and a boxing purist that you are, do you enjoy the chaos? Does it dent your pride a little bit at times? Genuinely, what tends to be going through your mind when you're up there? You gotta, you gotta adapt. I've had tables thrown at me or over me, not at me. Thank God they weren't <laughs> thrown at me by John Fury. But I remember, uh, you know, Derek throwing the table over. It was Derek, then it was me, Eddie, I think Adam Smith at the time, um, Dillian White, and uh, Mark Tibbs up there. And uh, so I've had, I've had all that in traditional boxing as well. I've, I've chased Derek through kitchens of five-star hotels in Germany. Um, plates being thrown, you name it. I've I've, I've seen it before. Um, I'd say this space is a bit different because you know they're not they're not seasoned boxers. Uh, some of them are total novices. Some of them are a bit further up the line. You know, especially Saturday night uh, with Idris and, and Aaron. Do you think, Calla, deep down? I'm sure you've had conversations with Eddie about it. Obviously, we promoted the, the KSI Logan Paul rematch. I think he did a Jake Paul fight as well. Do you think deep down he regrets? Mr. Eddie Hearn, not still being involved in this? No, you know, Eddie, don't regret nothing. No, um, no. I've, I've, listen, I think, you know, he goes his way, we've gone our way. I've always done different things as well. Uh, you know, World Boxing Super Series, Super Six. I've always believed that, you know, you've got to keep the, the traditional stuff very, very much alive and going. But I think there's always new formats in the sport. And, you know, I'm not comparing this to World Boxing Series, Super Series for one minute, but at the same time, uh, it's a space that, you know, needed something to come into it from the traditional space to put a framework around it. And that's all we've done. We've just applied that. Um, it's not rocket science. Well, big news this week, Calla. Um, news that I'm sure you're very much familiar with. Just give us your thoughts. First of all, the return of Conor Ben to the ring on Saturday night in Florida. What do you think about that? Uh, look, I mean, you know, it's, I think for if you're looking at it from his perspective, it's very important. He's been out the ring. People seem to forget this. He's been out the ring 18 months. So um, I guess he's, he's you know, raring to, to get the dust the dust and the rust off. You know, good luck to him. I think from his perspective, it's uh, it's a very important step, you know. I remember you came on the show in, in season one, Caller, and your excitement for the original date. We could feel it through the phone. Everyone was, was buzzing, weren't they? But why is a fight with Connor and Chris Eubank Jr., if it is to happen, now bigger, perhaps, than it was before, in your opinion, do you think? You know, I, I'm never going to knock what we were, what we were, let's say, quote-unquote, selling before, because it was, you know, uh, these these two 
massive boxing families colliding again so many years later. That's all still there. But of course, you can't ignore the massive drama of what was supposed to be the fight week last October, what's gone on since then. You know, it, of course, you know, it'd be a, be a fool to ignore that that adds a lot of salt and pepper to it. You know, so that filet mignon has just got a bit bigger, hasn't it? <laughs> Do you think it is a fight, Callow, that, that we will see next for Chris Eubank Jr. if, if you were to, to think about it now? Um, you know, I've let the dust settle for him. He's, he's had a tough year in terms of, you know, obviously that loss early in the year, but then also the camp kept on going. Don't forget that fight got pushed back over two months. So three or four changes to the dates, you know, horrendous conditions to a camp. So when you look at actually the performance, people forget, they talk about, you know, that Smith wasn't at his best and all this, that and the other. Um, but they mustn't forget that that Junior actually went through a camp uh, where, you know, he had it changed minimum three times, if not four times, over a period of two months extra. So he was he had a very long camp. Um, I've seen big fights or fighters lose fights because of camps that have drawn too long because you, you reach your peak and then you sort of lose it and um, and don't find it again in that camp. And, uh, you know, it can it can ruin a fight for a fight. So he didn't let that happen. Um, and that, that's sort of gone a little bit amiss amongst the plaudits. I mustn't forget to also add the fact that he had so many different camps. So I've let him let him go and do his his thing, and we're, we're talking. Actually, we're talking probably over the weekend again on on what what is next. Um, you know, there's there's two or three big fights, but the the one that everyone's talking about, the one that everyone seems to want, is the Conor Ben fight. It's more a question of how, yeah, and where and when, and those questions, you know, are something that we we still have to we have to let's say navigate around. Well, Callow, you do feature on, on a part of the radio show this week, which is basically called Food Fight. It's a terrible name. We've had some great guests so far on in this series. Essentially, it's a little, to find a little bit about you, yeah. are you much of a cook, Callow? Right. Much of a chef? I am. I, I love cooking. Um, I love cooking. I only really cook meat, but um, but I'm a big fan of barbecue and uh, yeah, and, and, and love love different meat dishes. So yeah, I, 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 actually, you know what? Lockdown that was one of the, the positives, apart from spending more time with the family, was also uh, was also sharpening my knives and uh, and doing a bit of cooking. So yeah, no, I do consider myself a bit of a bit of a chef. So for this dinner party, are we saying that Callas on the barbecue, right? Before we get to the guests, that's that's what the plan is, right? On the patio, the barbecue's on. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I, I've got something called a beef up where I put my, my steaks in. Um, I'll be doing it on that, but you can imagine that as a barbecue. And um, we'd be having nice, nice ribeye, um, very well marbled. Yep, that's what we're doing. Okay, here we go. Are you ready? And we're all, oh, go on, keep going. We're, we're, we're on top of a mountain in a, in a nice chalet setting. Lots of wood, good red wine, and a bit of beef. This sounds amazing. Now, now you shoot with a guest. All right, here we go. So the first one for you, Kala, to decide who you want. One dream guest from the world of boxing, past or present, and why? Fighter, trainer, could be anyone. I mean, I shared some time with Emmanuel Stewart, um, working with different fighters. He was fantastic company, Emmanuel Stewart. The obvious ones, you know, Mike Tyson, etc. I've actually, actually, I've had dinner up a mountain with Lennox Lewis, so he, he's great fun as well. I mean, Tyson Fury's a right crack as well, isn't he? Um, but that's too present. I'm going to go with something more interesting. I'm going to go Mickey Ward. Wow, okay. Because he's got one hell of a story to tell. So, Mickey Ward. Right, the next one, Keller. One actor or actress from the film or TV world. What, what's Keller Salonen's favourite type of film? Oh, Barbie. Barbie, really? Oh, no, 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 <laughs> not, sure, I'm not sure I believe I you, Keller. I think I see Barbie. I think I see Barbie. Um... What's the fellow who played Peaky Blinders? Cillian, uh, Cillian Murphy's. He's Murphy. Daniel Day Lewis. Daniel Day Lewis. So I'm going to have one one fella. I'll go with Daniel Day Lewis. Um, no, I'll go with two. And DiCaprio. We got them too because I think he's going to be a, a screen great as well. Actually, give me a third as well. I'll go with Pacino as well. A bit of Pacino there. Okay. Do you think? And then we've got to have a lady, don't we? We've got to have a lady. I'm going to go with two ladies. I'm going to go blonde and brunette. I'm going to go Julia Roberts. And I'm going to go. What's the, what's the name of the lady who played in uh, in Barbie? Oh, Margot Robbie. Margot Robbie. Yes. 
I have a bit. Margot as well. well Margot, Margot, go. This was, the, meant, this uh, was meant to be Margot, a, a sophisticated uh, four-person dinner party. This has turned into a full-on party. No, you said party. I thought you parties before. <laughs> you must be joking. You've got fights. No, you've got models. All right, this is this is this sounds like a pretty good party. Right, the next one. This is the entertainment factor. A musician or singer from the world of music. Who 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 else? Right, is so hold on. I don't get a model. I don't get nothing from the fashion world. Bit of Cara Deverline, maybe. Well, you can do. This is your guest list. Yeah. Please, Cara Deverline has to be at the table. Okay, Cara Delevingne. And, and, and Kate Moss. And Kate Moss. So okay. let's, yeah, so we'll put those two on the table as well. And then let's move on to the musician. Got to be, got to be, I'm a rock man, so I'm going to go Axel Rose. Wow. Now Guns you've got roses. a wild table. They've still got That's it, Guns N' Roses. That is the table. Mickey Ward, Gatti, Axel Rose, Cara Deverline. <laughs> You know, a bit of Pacino in there. DiCaprio, That's, Kate Moss. This has got to be the best one you've this had. This might be the best party this of all time. Got, right. The, the this, fi- is, this, is got, this is legendary. <laughs> this is legendary. The final guest, Caller, is arguably the most important one. Um, this okay. one can be a family member or a famous person from any walk of life. Maybe why you want them there. This is one maybe we've had more emotional uh, cho- uh, choices attached to it. I know Jamie Moore brought uh, the, the, the late, great Oliver Harrison. Who would you want? to be a part of this momentum occasion with you, do you think? Uh, I don't need to think about it. It's my son, Nick, because he's my best mate in the world. Do you know what, yeah? Every, there seems to be a really common theme, Calla, that every time we speak to someone on this show, it always gets back to a father and, and son relationship. How important is your your relationship with your boy? Oh, both of them, fantastically. I've got an older one as well. I've got a stepson, a son, and a, and a daughter, two and a half, so... Just every the, the when the family's together, that's 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 the equilibrium of life, mate. You know, that's that's what it is. That's what it is. Is that familiar? Is that what you do it for as well, as well as just your, your passion for the sport? But how much is of a motivation is also coming yeah, from your family? They 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 love it. They come to a lot of events. Um, but to be honest, they're also we're a massive football family. Uh, Thirty-one years season ticket holder at Tottenham, so we're all. We're all sports nuts in the house, but um, but yeah, no, I, I love, and it goes back to what we're doing now, the dinners. You know, I love my my Sunday afternoon big family lunches. You know, that's that's uh, that's for me better than anything, including boxing, football, you name it. Do you win the North London Derby on Sunday, Callum? We've got to talk victory, don't we? I think we've so. got to talk victory, but I'll be happy with a score draw. Happy with a score draw. I must say, Callie, your record at the end of the season. To be honest, I'll be happy with a nil-nil as well. <laughs> well, Callum, thanks so much yeah, for coming awesome. on. Uh, absolute pleasure to catch yeah. up. I must say, how much are you charging to get into this party? Because I wouldn't mind a plus one. Do you know what? I'm just thinking about, like, we should definitely, definitely just, we should make an open house, you know. <laughs> we, first 20 people to get up that mountain, they're in the house. I think it would get very much out of control. Yeah, Callis. the ones have to eat outside in the cold. <laughs> Callis Allen, best of luck with the show uh, this weekend, mate. Thanks so much for your time. And whatever happens with Chris Eubank Jr. next, we know it's going to be a big night. We hope for it's going to be Connor Ben. Uh, so much to look forward to. But thanks so much for your time today, mate. Thank you very much. Top it's been a pleasure. Cheers, Callum. So the 12-round Eliminator Challenge Quiz leaderboard is taking shape. Bradley Skeet leads the way with eight points, followed by John Ryder on six, Dempsey McKean and Darren Barker struggling in joint third on four points. This week, in the hot seat, quite literally, as I think he's getting a haircut right now, competing for a charity prize is world title challenger. Former European champion, Zelfa Barrett. Zelfa, welcome to the show. How are you, mate? Well, thank you for having me, and I'm good, man. How are you? Very well, very well. It's actually, Zell, for five months today, uh, as far as my stats go, since your last fight against Jason Sanchez in Cardiff. I imagine, despite yeah. enjoying some family time, you probably would have liked to have boxed before now. Yeah, of course. You know, I'm itching to go. I'm ready, man. I'm ready to go again. I'm ready to, you know, get back at the, at the top and fight for a title again and win one. Well, there was a lot of talk, Zelfa, of you fighting Mr. Joe Cordina. He, of course, fights on November 4th against Edward Vasquez in Monaco. What can you tell us, Zelfa, from your side about those negotiations? Were there negotiations? Why do you think we haven't seen this fight this year, you and Cordina? Not that I know any negotiations without being disrespectful. One fight I want it, the other one doesn't. 
and he knows it's a tough fight. He wants to, he wants unifications or whatnot. So it's a, it's a, it's a banana peel for him. From uh, from Joe's perspective, I guess Selfer, if if he's beat Rakimov, can you understand why he doesn't necessarily see the immediate value in fighting yourself, or do you find it frustrating? What why do you think? What have been the stumbling blocks? You think from his perspective? In his, in his mind, you don't need to defend his belt to somebody who's a good fighter. Take this fight, he's fighting now, this Vasquez guy, whatever his name is, and you know, try and get a unification. So you, you don't think he wants the fight with you? Is that what you're saying as well? No, nah, it's disrespectful to say that. Of course, he wants he want the fight, but if he can get paid easier another way, then he would. If I had a belt, or when I get a belt, he'd definitely fight me, but he sees it as well. I've got nothing, it's all risk, no rewards for him. What's your plans then, Zelfa? You, you talked about getting back into the mix, fighting and winning a world title. Whether it's Joe or anyone, what's on your radar, do you think? So, I think I've got a date. I've got a date set, maybe a world title eliminator or some sort or something like that, really. You know, I look shy away from fights, which is showing me racking off, taking it in five and a half week notice. One question, Zelfa, I do want to ask you about is Lee Wood versus Josh Warrington down at Featherweight. I believe... You've been doing some rounds with Josh Warrington in, in preparation for this fight. How's he looking? Josh is always strong and sharp, so it's going to be a good fight, man. Well, Zelfa, we do move on to the, the business end of the chat now, the 12-round Eliminator Challenge quiz. Let me hand over to producer Scott, who's going to go over the ground rules uh, for yourself. I will warn you, no one's done very well on this, apart from Bradley Skeet. Yeah. So it is a little bit of a stitch-up. Uh, don't take it personally, but here is producer Scott with the ground rules. Well, Zelfa, good to uh, catch up, mate. I hope you're well. Might need a bit of uh, a good luck on this. So welcome to the 12-round Eliminator Challenge. Just to give you a rundown and our listeners a rundown if they haven't heard it before. There's essentially 12 clues or 12 rounds at stake. With each passing round, you lose a point. So you start off with 12 points and round number one. If you want to go to the next round, you can just skip it. And then it goes to round two, which is worth 11 points and sort of works its way down to zero. So if you get it right in round three, for example, you get 10 points. You only get one guess, so make sure you say when you think you know who it, who it is. We will take your first guess as gospel. So if you get it wrong at any point, you get nil poids, and you do get one bonus lifeline, which you can uh, call Jamie on at any stage to, to help you out. Question number one. I am 29 years old. <laughs> Round number two. 16 of my 70-odd fights have been in the UK. Nevin T odd fight. Uh, wow. So obviously Jimmy think this I like your thought process there, yeah. Next question. Go on then, go on. Gueva is actually my surname. Next please. The first Matchroom UK show I boxed on was headlined by Luke Campbell in Hull. Wow, so this is a journeyman. Don't forget um, what next. you have a you do have a lifeline you can call upon at any stage. You know what? I'm, I'm going to skip now. Uh, you, This will be on to round number five, the next one. So this is your oh, fourth. Yo, yeah, give, give me a lifeline, please. Okay, here comes your lifeline. My last yeah. victory came in the small country of Belize. <laughs> what sort of lifeline is that, man? <laughs> I did say sometimes it's good, sometimes it's... Yo, if I, if I was drowning, that wouldn't even be a, a float. That would be a... <laughs> You know what, next question. <laughs> I hit the headlines a couple of years ago wearing my country's flag with a shield that was inverted as a sign of protest. Oh, so this, this, this boxer hit the headlines for somewhat disrespecting his own country. No, but I have a clue. You may have heard his nickname when you boxed him. So I was nicknamed the Vandelict Boxer because of my actions relating to the previous incident. So his his nickname is basically he's a vandal. So, nope. ooh, so I don't have a clue. I don't have a clue. <laughs> this this would have been early in my career, this early, early. This, okay, ne- this, this next clue is a good one. If you if you have time to think about it, you might get this, I think. The word widen is an, is an anagram of my first name. So the letters, oh, the, letters in, the letters in widen, W-I-D-E-N, can be rearranged to make the first name of your opponent. You were the last person to stop me. Stop him, yeah? Yeah. Um, think about this. Is he, is, he, is he from Poland? No. Right, go on then, go on then. We boxed twice. Oh, I know you're talking about... Oh, my God. Is it... Ah... Yo, even got the guy on Facebook. I can't, what's he called? <laughs> oh my gosh. 
I know exactly what you're talking about because I boxed it. I, I boxed him on my uncle Pat show and I stopped him by body shot. Going back to one of the previous questions, the, the word widen, W-I-D-E-N, if you rearrange that, will be his first name. So it's a short five-letter first name. Oh, my God. I forgot. I completely forgot his name. I know exactly what you're talking about. Go on. I now reside in Spain. So he lives in Spain. But this is the first time when someone's known the answer. But I know for a fact, yeah, people have been on Boxtrek. I'm not on Boxtrek on my phone. (laughs) This is actually quite difficult. (laughs) I boxed an English English fighter abroad before I actually boxed in England. I don't know. I don't know. Right, Zelfer, I'm going to give you a clue because I'm not having you walk away with no points. Right. Go on. His initials are E T, like the film. I've had thirty-two fights. You know, this is a long time. Come on, you boxed <laughs> him I twice. Get, I do get punched in the head for a living. <laughs> <laughs> you boxed um, him twice, no, I, and his initials are E T. I don't have a clue. Don't know. Zelfa, the answer is Edwin Tellez. Edwin Tellez. Oh my god. <laughs> oh, time, that was time ago. That Zelfa. <laughs> Zelfa Barrett, that was disgraceful. <laughs> You'd have to go and give him a Facebook message now, mate. Edwin Tellers, you know, what the hell? Zelfa, what, what's, Edwin, what's Edwin Tellers going to think, Zelfa, when he watches this back? Oh, he could, oh, I don't know. I don't know. I've had, what, five minutes since then? About ten. Zelfa, I must say, you, you are bottom of the league, my friend. I'm disappointed. I expected more from you. I, I didn't have a clue. And I bet you in the morning, most of them would have cheated, but... <laughs> Zelfa, it's, it's the taking part that counts. It's all for charity. It's all a bit of fun. Thanks for your time. Uh, we look forward to seeing you in a big fight, hopefully very, very soon. Hopefully a world title eliminator of sorts. No doubt you'll be back in the hot seat to fight for a world title before long. Until then, we'll catch up with you soon, mate, and thanks for your time. Nah, Jamie, you sound disappointed in me there. I am disappointed in you, Zelfa. <laughs> I, can, I, can see, I, can, I can tell it in his voice. I'm devastated in your performance. I'm going to have to have a serious word with you. I'm going to get you on the phone to Edwin Tellers next time I see you. Oh, you know what it is as well? Because I'm getting the hair cut as well. It's, nah. But mine's all over the gaff. Nah. <laughs> nah. Your bonnet's all over the gaff. Never mind your mind, mate. Uh, thank you, yes, I know. I know. I know. Tough, mate. Good to catch up. <laughs> Zelfa, you're, uh, nice you're, you're a good man, mate. One of the best. We'll catch up nice soon, one. all right? Thank you. Cheers, mate. Catch you, man. Easy. Well, thanks, as always, for listening to Flash Knockdown. Thanks very much to our guests as well this week, Jesse Bam, Rodriguez, Calasal, and Mike Costello, Terry Harper, and Zelfa Barrett. Don't forget, Fight Night, live on the zone. Richardson Hitchin steps up against Jose Cepeda. Massive unification welterweight world championship fight between Jessica McCaskill and Sandy Ryan, and also the small matter of the return of Mr. Conor Ben. We'll be back next week on the ground in London as we count down to Jai Opataya versus Jordan Thompson, IBF World Cruiserweight Championship fight next weekend. We'll see you then. Uh, uh, uh.